the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We've been in Hebrews chapter 6, and it's been a bit of a parenthesis of sorts in the midst of the author's assertion of the superiority of Christ. He sticks this section in there, and in that section, he is exhorting the Hebrews to return to truth, to return to a devotion, to turn away from the distractions to embrace all that is theirs in Christ. Now let's look at our text for today in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 16 through 20. Would you please stand with me as we read our text? Indeed, men swear an oath by one greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes the oath serves as a confirmation of what has been said and is an end of the dispute. In the same way, God, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have set, we have as an anchor of our soul. It cannot slip, it cannot break down under what pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Abraham is the example that the author points to, and principally because he's talking to Jews, Hebrews, And they had a great acquaintance with Abraham. Abraham was held in high esteem as the father of their nation, the father of their faith. So they knew all there was to know about Abraham. You may recall in chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 4, the author actually proves the superiority of Christ over Abraham. And Jesus said to the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 39, he says, 
They answered, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are truly Abraham's children, then do the works of Abraham and follow his example. Now, this is much like the Spirit's call to the Hebrews, as Abraham is called the father of faith. Abraham's faith is exalted in Scripture because it was not a faith of crisis, but a living faith that, it, that attended his every step. He never exhausted faith. He held to faith because it was his connection with his God. It was this relationship with God that determined his every decision, where he lived, how he lived. Faith was life to him. It was not just a religious devotion. Abraham is our example as well. Because we talk about living this life by faith, yet faith seems to be relegated to those things that we cannot, in our estimation, accomplish alone. Faith is relegated to those things of religion where we need to believe or we think we need to believe in order to please God. Faith is relegated to those impossible things that we know that only God can do and to those hard situations whereby we can get God involved and somehow overcome. That is how we intend faith to work in our lives, but that's not how God intended The scriptures make it very plain that we came into this life by faith. Not by any other means, but by faith. And by faith, we live this life. Now, it is possible not to live this life as a Christian. As a Christian, we can deny faith and live according to the flesh and relegate faith only to those things that we would call religious, spiritual, or impossible. But God intends faith to be the inhale and the exhale of our living. He intends faith to be the means by which we share life with Him. We recognize Him in every moment. We live in the truth of his presence. Abraham's faith caused him to endure patiently, to persevere, not to faint. He endured God's timing. He stepped out of men's reckoning of time and the aging of the body. He stepped out of fear and vulnerability. He stepped out of the passing of days by faith into the will and promise of his God. He embraced God's faithfulness, his sovereignty with his life and with his family's life. He endured the attacks upon his faith, the lies against the truth of God's word within him. He withstood the temptation to enrich himself by the king of Solomon in Genesis chapter 14. That's a living faith. It wasn't Abraham's lands that secured him. It wasn't Abraham's tribe that secured him. It was not even the birth of his son that secured him. It was his faith in the God that held him, that secured him. So much so that he could look past the aging of his body. He could look past the devastation of time. And he can see into eternity and say, my God is sovereign. His will will be done. I will put my trust in him. I will look away from the ticking clock. I will look away from all that is expected of me by whatever age I am. I will walk in confidence and trust 
in an omnipotent and sovereign God who has called me his own. Verse 16. Indeed, men swear an oath, one by one greater than themselves. And with them, in all disputes, the oath serves as confirmation of what has been said and is the end of the dispute. Now, the author closes the section of exhortation with a call to look upon the faithfulness of their God, both unto Abraham and unto God's elect. He has been very direct with the Hebrews, but all to prosper them in truth and faith. The truth will often wound before it heals. Have you figured that one out? It will often wound before it heals. What he reveals, he heals, as Mike used to say. As we read earlier, it was God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure which is preceded with work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, if you're living this life, this life is the work of God. If you are embracing the fullness of this life, you are embracing the fullness of the work of God. And like Abraham, you may not comprehend the height and depth, the breadth of it all, but you comprehend a God who is so much greater. You determine to live in the truth of him. In verse 16, the spirit of God names the custom of men and how it is found to settle and end a dispute among them through an oath. Above all else, as we read this, we should see the the condescension of our God to stoop down as a parent would with a small child And explain why he did what he did. We know that his ways are higher than our ways. But we often overlook his desire to give us understanding. And allow us to relate to his great love. We are the children of the one who defines fatherhood. He is personal and he is intimate. And he has designed that relationship that you hold with him to be the same. When we walk through life with a dispassionate view of our relationship with him, with a passive look at what God is to us, only becoming anxious about that interaction in times of trouble, we are denying the greater truth of our existence as his children. Does that sound too ethereal? Does that sound too spiritual for you to be able to capture? If it is, you are deluded of soul. You need to wait and hear from him. Know that that God as father will stoop down and will explain to you who he is and his love for you. Not necessarily what he's doing. He didn't tell Abraham all that he was doing. He didn't tell Abraham why he chose him. Wouldn't that be our first question? Why me? (laughs) If he had asked, God would have said, because I am God and I want you. That's what he said to every one of you. We live this life by trust and faith in a God who is personal, 
and a God who wants to interact with us and a God who wants to share every moment with us and a God that wants to explore our fears with us, who wants to explore our insecurities with us, who wants us to leave our fascination with the things of this world and look devotedly into his eyes and rest in the truth that he, he is greater than the things that trouble us, greater than the things that we would desire, greater than the things we would grasp for, Greater than the things that would threaten us. Greater than all things is your God. Psalms 113 verse 6 says, Speaking of God who humbles himself to regard the heavens and the earth. I love that. Verse 16 explains why God would give an oath. His greatness would seem to make the oath unnecessary. Wouldn't it? He is truth. He is the origin of truth. He is the standard of truth who cannot lie. The oath of God is added where only his word is needed. But God is so passionate about our believing that he adds an oath. He relates to us on a level that we can understand. Verses 17 and 18. In the same way God, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed it with an oath. So that two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This, is a, this verse is connected to verse 13 and 16. An oath established man's word among men. And God uses the same method to establish his word among men. God meets us where we are in teaching us to trust his word. He didn't have to do that. Trust is a matter of faith, isn't it? We believe in all that God tells us concerning himself. We must believe in it. We must believe all that God has demonstrated concerning his life and his character through his son. We must believe what his word declares. But above all, we must believe God because he is God. In this determination to believe by faith comes the freedom to trust. God's word to us is based on who he is. God swore by himself, not only for Abraham, but for the heirs of the promise. And guess who that is? Galatians 3.29. And if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to God's promise. This is the promise he speaks of. We are heirs of the promise through Abraham, a promise secured by a pledge and the immutability of his purpose, which he secured with an oath. He intervened and guaranteed it with an oath. Intervened is a Greek word. It is mesetoyo, and it means to mediate, to mediate between two parties in a covenant. To mediate between two parties in the covenant. In other words, God makes a covenant first with himself, and then he guarantees that covenant with his oath. 
all unto this, all of this is to show Abraham that this is what he's going to do. Because God's not saying I may do it. God's not saying I'll do it if you do. He's saying unconditionally, this is what I am going to do. All of this for Abraham, unto Abraham, and unto his heirs, which are you, who are God's elect. And if the covenant fails, it fails because of the weakness of one or both of the parties. So in this we have a covenant made by the triune God in the council of the triune God before the foundations of the world were formed and guaranteed by the Father with an oath. Can it get any more secure? So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. Why did God feel it necessary to swear an oath when his word would be enough? Why? It says right there. So that we who have come to him for refuge, would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. That is why. Now, I don't know if this is just me, but I am absolutely overwhelmed that the omnipotent God would not only reach out Because of his own desire, because of his own want to, and embrace me as, as part of that promise. And he speaks out into eternity, and with a voice that only God can speak. And he says, before the foundations of the world, I swear that Todd will be mine. He said that about you. And what's more, the oath of God is this, that if I don't do this, I will cease to be God. I will exercise all of my power. Everything that I am as God, everything that makes me God, I will exert. In order to make these mine. Through Abraham. Through Christ. My son. Does that not overwhelm you? Verse 18 makes it clear. There are two unchangeable things. That's what immutable means. That he is unchanging. And you know what? That's a very strong thing for you and I. Because the accuser is constantly reflecting into our soul that God's attitude towards us has somehow changed. That God sees us somehow differently. Maybe the resolve that he made before the foundations of the earth is somewhat shaken. Because maybe we haven't lived up to all that we would have, would have expected if we were God. Perhaps God has changed his desire for us. Perhaps God has changed his intention for us. But God is unchangeable. You can't change the determination of God towards you. Do you know that? You can't change it. 
All that God desires and has put in place for you will never change. There's no power that can change it. There are two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. The promise came by way of that of a person, that is Jesus. He came forward through time as the word that God gave to men to be their salvation. He became the fulfillment of the pledge that he might be our eternal refuge as his indwelling life became our motivation and our indwelling strength so that we might hold tightly to the hope set before us. This is the promise of Abraham. Genesis twenty two seventeen. God says, Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your descendants like the stars of the heavens, like the sands of the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies as conquerors. You are the seed of Abraham. The promises of God were fulfilled through Jesus, who was the second Adam. Abraham was the father of faith through which kingdom of the kingdom of God would be realized. And the children of faith would no longer be Jew and Gentile, but would come from every tribe and tongue. The promises of God are as unchangeable as he is. What God has promised you concerning the abundance of his life in him is yours. What God has promised concerning his peace, his protection, his provision, his deliverance is yours in Christ. He has determined that you will have and do have the abundance of Christ. But it is only known by faith in the God who will not and cannot lie. It is not known according to the flesh. It is known through faith that holds tightly to the hope that is set before us. Our hope is a person of Christ. It is not the fruit of hope in the heart of the believer. Christ is named as our hope in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. This hope, this confident assurance... We have as an anchor for the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple. That most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. Where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, there are several pictures of Christ in this, in verse 19. This hope is come from the eternal counsel of the triune God. This hope is the promise of God that is unchanging, immutable, eternal, irrevocable. The word that spoke all things into being, that holds all things in place, became flesh and the savior of all who would cling to him. This hope is the anchor of the believer's soul. It is this hope that gives the mind, will, and emotion balance. It is this hope that tethers the soul, that lives in the tempest of this world, that is rocking with the swells of the enemy, lies and distortion that is being swamped by the world, yet it will not sink 
or be destroyed because we have an anchor which is fixed at the right hand of the majesty on high. The atonement is complete. Jesus has entered as our forerunner. Now, a forerunner is the word protomas, and it's used of a light ship that carries an anchor from the main ship into a safe harbor and anchors it there. This small ship assures the safety of the larger ship and weathers the storm. Make sure that that ship can weather the storm outside the harbor. It secures it so that that ship is not overwhelmed or drifts away. The attachment has been concluded. Christ has become our eternal high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not Aaron. The Aaronic priesthood ended. The only priesthood that is valid is the priesthood of Christ. The Mosaic law has been ratified. The final sacrifice has been made. The veil is now torn. And there is no separation between God and his beloved. It is finished. It is complete. The promise of God is fulfilled. All that he awaits as he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high is the final sanctification of those he calls his own, which will be when we shed this body of sin only to take up the body of righteousness and be able to enter into his presence complete and fulfilled in truth. We're not awaiting a savior. We live in union with the savior. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.